I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Nick Pfeiffer, TikTok star, and he uses his platform to discuss mental health during Suicide Prevention Month, month, which is September. Suicidal thoughts, much like mental health conditions, can affect anyone, regardless of age, gender, or background. Suicide can often be the result of an untreated mental health condition. September is Suicide Prevention Awareness Month, a time to raise awareness of the stigmatized and often taboo topic. Depression and anxiety rose during the pandemic. Many teens and young adults spend all day on their phones only to find negative news and hateful comments. Social media influencer and mental health activist Nick Pfeiffer is opening up about his personal experience and background with ADHD, mental health struggles, and anxiety to use his platform to help others spread awareness and combat stigma. He's an advocate for therapy and an has friends and family who have experienced mental health issues and bipolar disorder. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, Nick. Yeah, Catherine, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. All right, so we're going to be, as I've said twice, I think in my intro, September is uh, Suicide Prevention Month, and you've had personal experience with this. You're suffering from ADHD. I want to talk about that and also give us a, you know, that's an acronym, so give us a definition of what that is. Uh, so your personal experience, family members' personal experience, and what are you really, what are you doing to help mitigate um, suicide, uh, which is on the rise, as I understand it. I don't know the statistics. Maybe you can give us some of those statistics. Yeah, sure. So suicide is a really big problem with um, young people in America these days. Um, some statistics just kind of off the top, uh, top of my head is, like there's about 20% of high school students um, age 15 to 24, so a little bit past high school as well, that experience suicidal thoughts. And a lot of times there's not somebody uh, in their lives that is there to support. And there, there's a lot of resources out there that people can look to. Obviously, the um, you know Suicide and Crisis Helpline has gotten a lot of attention recently. There's been a lot of um, activism in pop culture to spread the awareness of the 988 line. Uh, so there's always some resources out there, but the first thing that people should be looking to is their friends, their family, and just being open about their experiences and trying to um, get the get the point out there because a lot of times you can't help people until you know that they need help. So that's the first step really is getting the stigma, uh, getting rid of the stigma and allowing people to be open with their struggles and just talking about it so that people don't feel alone. So that maybe if they don't have somebody to talk to about it, they can listen to a show like this or see something online and know that they're not alone in this struggle and that there's always something or someone to talk to or reach out to. We're talking about stigma. And yes, the stigma exists. That's the key to breaking through that stigma if we're going to do anything and to to help people. But what do you do? What do you do? Because you mentioned the group high school kids, right? Kids from 14 to 18, let's say, who are depressed or feel anxious, need to talk to someone, but are afraid just to reach out to a teacher or even if they can't reach out to their family member. Specifically, what do we do? How do we, I mean, you're talking about this program, but like in school systems, are there programs where they talk about suicide? Uh, You know, they talk about mental health and you know, give courses on uh, physical health and all, of, especially in high school. Is this incorporated? Yeah, in, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every every school has some level of counselor that uh, students can always feel welcome to go to. And from what I understand, because of the rising you know cases of this, there are uh, basically seminars and guests brought in. Uh, something that I would like to do in the future, and just something that you know shows people that they're not alone, especially in these environments like school where a lot of um, things like bullying and drug use go on. And that's something that also people end up turning to when they have depression or suicidal thoughts. So it's kind of a a multi-headed beast that we have to combat here and try to uh, address bullying, get rid of that and stop that, address drug use and drug abuse and find ways for people to uh, have healthy uh, interactions with their problematic thoughts, you know, exercise, talking with somebody, uh, and, and just knowing that they're not alone and knowing that there are programs, especially within schools, to support young people uh, and get out of a bad situation. Maybe there's something going on at home. Uh, school can be a safe place for a lot of people where they can speak with somebody who cares and get some, you know, resources that will help them in the time of need if they're not getting that sort of support at home. So schools are a big, big, strong point that we have to just keep pushing people towards and knowing that, letting them know that there are those resources available, even in a situation where you may not have the support of friends or family. There's always going to be some sort of counselor or some sort of program at your school that you can walk into the counselor's office, walk up to a, to a teacher and let them know, because those are people that you should be able to trust and you should be able to be able to be open with them and let them know your struggles and they can point you in the right direction to find some help or find some resources. Well, you're a TikTok star. So how many people or how many followers, I guess I would say, will come to you or make you aware that, yes, they need help? A lot. Yeah. And that's, I try, I do my best because like you said, there's a lot of toxicity on the, on the online platforms right now. And, you know, there's not always commenters or followers that are very kind. So for me, I'm very open and vocal about the fact that if somebody's having some issue, if you want to talk, I tell people, send me a message. I'll video chat with you. I'll talk with you. Because if you don't have that friend, reaching out to somebody that is willing to be open with you and willing to point you in the direction of resources, or even just be a a listening ear can mean the world to somebody who feels like they don't have anybody. So I try to post resources on my story or on my, on my platform and on my uh, channels. And I also let people know directly, Hey, if you're having some of these issues, reach out, I will, I will respond. I will talk with you. We can talk about whatever, because a lot of times people just need somebody to talk to. They need a friend. Do you ever get, besides the person who's suffering, do parents or fr- other friends or people who are very close to the person that they are concerned about uh, may be suicidal because they seem overly anxious or depressed? Yeah, absolutely. In, the, in those sort of cases, you just have to um, reassure people that you know it's nothing that they're doing most of the time that is causing somebody else to go through it. Unfortunately, it's just something that people struggle with on their own a lot of times. And if you're a friend or family member, the best thing that you can do for somebody in that situation is number one, identify a resource. Number two, be there for them because the most horrible thing is for somebody to feel like they don't have anybody. So if you're reaching out and you're concerned for somebody, 
that's already giving me a good indication that you care about them. So let them know, because maybe you haven't said that to them in a while, and maybe you do care, but you haven't been able to communicate to that to them. A lot of people are, like, we, like we're saying, stigmatized and, and feel a stigma against reaching out, and they say, well, I don't want to overstep my boundaries, or, well, I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. But letting somebody know that you care and that you don't have to necessarily tell somebody, hey, I saw you're doing this. I think you're suicidal. But you can tell somebody, hey, if you're going through something, let me know. Have a conversation. I'm open. I won't judge you. Because that's at the end of the day. A lot of people are feeling judged for these sort of things. So if you let them know that it's a safe place and that you're not going to judge them, they're going to be much more willing to be open with you and let you know their struggles. Because a lot of people are scared. And if you can make them at least feel a little bit less scared, you're going to have a better opportunity of, of opening that line of dialogue and getting somebody the help they need. Maybe that getting them to speak with a therapist, speak with a counselor, some sort of mental health professional that's going to have resources and the knowledge that they need to be able to combat some of this and get somebody on a better path. So the takeaway is you don't want people to feel or anyone to feel alone that all of this they have to struggle by themselves. They don't they are right. and that yeah, so they are not alone. There is help. There are choices. There's help available, which is key, right? Uh, in the beginning, I mentioned, you know, anxiety and depression has increased during the or ha- during the pandemic. Um, do you see, and I'm assuming some of these uh, young people have contacted you uh, after the or even during the pandemic. So how is that any different than, say, before the pandemic or what kinds of differences do you see in the behavior of those people? Uh, individuals who are suffering from depression and anxiety. Any differences uh, in, in terms of the, the response to the pandemic? Yeah, absolutely. Just with regard to um, schools being uh, remote, that's created a lot of isolation for people to where previously you could be in a group of people and you can make friends in person and you can, you know, you don't, you don't necessarily go into a class with the intention of, being friends with this person or being friends with that person. But over time you can build a bond with somebody just by being in the same room and realizing that you think they're kind of funny or they think you're kind of funny or you just sit next to them because that's the way the seating chart ended up being. And these, and being in that in-person environment is really important because when people are at home and they're just seeing screens all day, and then they leave the classroom, quote unquote, that's on a screen, and then they go to the small screen on their phone, it just becomes even more isolating for people. And people that are already feeling depressed, already feeling anxious, already feeling like they don't have any friends, aren't put in a good situation because of that, because they're not in person, because they don't have other people around them, and because they don't feel like they have that support that they can reach out to. So being in person in school when it's safe is obviously very important and provides that source of uh, consistency for people, gives them a routine, gives them uh, other people around them, gives them those resources right at hand. And there's always some sort of uh, refuge for people to be at school, maybe a library, maybe a a recess uh, time period where they can connect with other people and maybe see somebody reading a book that they like or playing a game that they like and they can identify with that person and make a new friendship or form a bond in a way that's just not possible 
uh, in these online formats. Obviously, when it's unsafe to be in person, it's a it's difficult and it's something that nobody really wants to deal with. But as as a result of the pandemic and as a result of you know this sort of uh, once in a lifetime situation that was going on, we were forced into these less than ideal situations. Uh, but as things are coming back and as we're becoming more safe and figuring out ways to deal with it, I think we're going to have a lot more people feeling better and feeling like they're less alone because at the end of the day, school is a big pillar. School's a support system for people, even if they don't see it in that way. Just being in person, just being around people is going to help your mental health and going to give you opportunities to connect with people in a way that online formats don't necessarily do. Let's talk about you, your personal experience. In the beginning, in the intro, I said you had ADHD. What is ADHD? For those of my listeners who don't know what it is, uh, we want them to know because, as I said, that is an acronym. And how has that affected you? Yeah, so um, ADD and ADHD is basically um, used to describe, so it stands for Attention Deficit Disorder. And recently, they've had some more research that's kind of divided it a little bit into um, into different um, categories, so to say. So there's some people that they maybe struggle with motivation, and there's some people that struggle with inability to uh, focus. And then there's some people that have more of the hyperactive end of the spectrum where they feel um, maybe they still feel motivated, but they feel very hyperactive and they feel like they can't stop racing thoughts where they feel very uh, physically hyperactive. And um, so there's different, different ways that it affects people. But in general, uh, we use this term to describe somebody who's having that sort, any of those sort of symptoms affecting their life, whether it may be impulsive decisions. So not taking the time to think over what they're um, doing or getting themselves into, which often leads to um, young people acting out in ways against their parents or against other classmates, or even in getting themselves into trouble in legal matters. And so me personally, I've been, I've more struggled with uh, inability to focus or um, impulsive decisions. And so for me, I've always felt very confident in my schooling abilities. And when I put myself on, I set my uh, intention to do it and I really sit down and am able to focus in those periods when I can, I, I am very successful in school. Uh, I have good relationship with teachers and other classmates. But then you just get into these almost a funk where you don't feel motivated. And even though you know you're capable of doing something, just because you don't feel motivated or you can't focus because something maybe isn't that interesting, um, you, you tend to fall behind a little bit. So we see that a lot in schools where somebody's very smart and they're very um, – you know, witty, or they're very funny, but they just aren't able to focus and they find themselves falling behind in school, even though they know that they would be able to do these things. So medication and therapy is really important in those sort of scenarios. And just learning to uh, have uh, healthy, healthy ways to address that. And exercise is really important. uh, And just talking through things and finding ways that um, maybe identifying your weaknesses and actively working uh, to make sure that you're working on yourself every day and you're catching yourself when you when you see these uh, symptoms or these behaviors. And so for me, it's been 
um, important to identify the things that do interest me. So for me, I did a, my, philo- my major and my degree in philosophy. So for, I wasn't interested in, in math or science. So I knew that if I tried to force myself into doing those sorts of subjects, it, would, it wouldn't end well because it's just something uh, that I've learned to deal with where I need to be very interested and be, feel very compelled by what I'm studying. And so by finding something that I was interested in, like philosophy, it made it a lot easier for me to be successful in school and to graduate on the uh, president's honor list and all these sort of achievements that I never thought I would be able to do because in school growing up, you have to kind of address everything just as a result of, you know, having a well-rounded, um, having a well-rounded education. So you, you might see yourself struggling in math and think, well, I'm not, I'm not smart, but that's not the case. You just have to try to figure out the things that you are interested in and maybe look up the history of math. If you're more interested in history than math, there's a lot of history with math and there's a lot of interesting things and interesting culture um, that you can look into, like about how Arabic people in the past used math and created these different systems or how the philosopher Leibniz created calculus. These are all things that I looked into to find myself uh, being more interested in math as a result of identifying what does interest me about it. And by taking what you're interested in, especially as someone who um, struggles with ADD, you're going to find a lot more success if you can if you can identify those things and work to your strengths and try to work around I your think weaknesses. I'm going to interrupt you because I think work yeah. to your strength is really the key. That's that's Those are the key words, work to your strength. And uh, you're giving us kind of a good roadmap to be able to do that. So you understand, let's say you have ADHD like you do, there's a frustration. If you don't deal with the frustration, that can lead to anxiety and or depression and and even suicide in the extreme. But if you know what the frustration is, you identify it and then you find something and you focus on something that you're passionate about, would you say? I mean, I sort of, that as you're talking, I was thinking about, well, I'm passionate about this. Yeah. And then it makes it obviously a lot easier to focus on. So, um, I mean, that seems to be the pathway to be, to, to, I don't know, what did you use the word overcome ADHD? I mean, it's always with you, I'm assuming, as a social worker, uh, something that you always have to be aware of. And, um, and, and, you know, deal with as you have and, and become obviously very successful. Right. Yeah. And I would say, I would say less overcome because as, as we know, it's something that people struggle with, um, throughout their lives. And I would say more fight back against it and, and just, just find your way of, of dealing with it. Because if something is going to be affecting you for the rest of your life, you don't just give up and you don't just say, well, I can't do this or I can't do that. You have to fight back and you have to, you have to find ways to be successful in your own life, even in the face of these adversities. Because if you know you're dealing with it, that's the first step. And then you identify these things and you find ways to be successful, even in the face of these things that you're struggling with. And I think that there's a lot of strength to be found and a lot of, um, you know, you should be very proud of yourself when you're able to find these things and, and be working to your strengths and overcome something that a lot of people struggle with or, or at least um, find a way that it works for you. When you use the word struggle and, and it's a, life, a lifelong struggle, are there people in your life who got in the way, who 
you had to detach yourself from, disconnect from, because they weren't helping you with the struggle. They weren't in there with you. Yeah, absolutely. And and it definitely goes back to what we were saying earlier about, um, you know, people turning to the wrong things when they feel these um, struggles, whether it be ADHD, suicidal thoughts, anxiety, there's always going to be, you know, a group of kids or a group of people that you know, um, trying to coax you or tell you to do this or to do that and to do, you know, bring you into problematic behavior such as um, law-breaking behaviors or drug use or drug abuse. And that's almost always going to be a path that leads to nowhere. So you have to, if you have people in your life that you feel like are holding you back, you have to let them know, like, look, this isn't something that I, is helping me. And it's nothing against you, but the behaviors that you're engaging in are not helping me be successful in my life. And it's important to identify those things and to work in, with yourself and know what you need to do. And once you know what you need to do, you can identify the people that are going to help you and that are going to be supportive and that are going to put you on the right path, uh, as opposed to those that are going to lead you down a negative path um, under the guise of that helping with. Because a lot of people think, well, that these drugs are going to make me feel good and that's going to make me better. But in the long term, it's almost always going to end up in a negative way. So you have to avoid those sort of um, influences. And, and, and that's a very important thing, especially with the peer pressure and the bullying that goes on in high school, uh, you have to, you have to be strong and you have to let, just be, just be real and be straight up and be honest with people and let them know, look, this isn't something that's um, serving me. It's not something that's positive for me. So until you cease that or until you get a little bit better in and of yourself, I have to maintain my distance for my own health. And there's no, nothing that anybody can fault you for, uh, for taking care of yourself. So drugs and alcohol, you're much more, I would assume, you are more vulnerable if you are, as as you're describing it. And if you're getting involved with people who are involved with drugs and alcohol, stay away. And uh, because, as you say, nothing good can come of it. Uh, Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. It's, It's definitely something that is more, like we're saying, you know, when people have these bad feelings or anxiety or suicide, there's always this, this idea that drugs or alcohol or even nicotine and vaping that's becoming really big with kids um, these days is going to help in some sort of fashion, but it never does. It always, it always will numb you in the moment, and then that just leads to you putting off these issues and not identifying and not actively working uh, to do something. And not only that, is it can get you into legal trouble or even end up, um, you know, you can end up hurting or, or dying as a result of, of these sort of actions. What, Nick, what message would you have for parents, for parents who are listening to this, who may suspect or might feel, hey, you know, my kid is, uh, you know, as Nick is describing the situation, I think that's what's going on with my own child. What's the message for them? What should they be doing? Or what should they do? Yeah, I would just I would just always uh, encourage parents to be open and to be um, to be honest with their kids and let them know that they care and let them know. Um, one of the greatest things my parents ever did for me was they said, you know, if you're going through something, if you're in a bad situation, call me. I'll come pick you up, and I won't be mad. And that's a big key because a lot of times kids are in bad situations 
and they don't get out of it because they're afraid that their parents will be more mad at them um, for, for getting in that situation. But at the end of the day, as a parent, you should be, you know, a, you should be open and you should encourage your children to be open with you and let them know, like, look, maybe um, you're in this bad situation, but I'm going to be more mad if you don't call me and get some help. So you have to let kids know that, you know, the, the, the anger or the punishment is something that always comes second and caring and wanting you to be safe is that what always comes first. So let them know that if they're in a bad situation with a bad group of kids, or maybe they end up at some party and they see some people doing things that they don't think is okay. Let your kids know that they always have that line of support open and, you know, prime their primary concern should be the safety and the health of their children. And that starts with an open dialogue and making sure that your children feel safe to um, engage in, you know, conversation and open up to you about these sort of things without the fear of getting in trouble or getting, you know, reprimanded. And maybe that, that can be an element of it because, you know, if something's going on and you feel like you have to punish your child, that's something, you know, that you can discuss with your spouse or with, or with the child themselves. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is to make sure that they feel like they can be open with you and they know that you care been great having you on the show today and lots of really good information, both for those suffering from ADHD, parents, teachers, uh, coaches, uh, all of those people. And as a TikTok star, you, using your platform to discuss these issues is uh, is very important. So let's where are there what websites that you mentioned, I think one in the beginning, but one or two more websites that people can go to for more information or, you know, to go to if they need help for um, mental health, whatever mental health issues they are suffering from. Yeah, so um, like just with the focus on September, the the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is so easy, so, so easy to remember. It's 988. Anybody can give that number a call and uh, just you can talk to somebody who's trained to deal with that and who can point you in the direction of because, you know, there's people all over America dealing with this. So not just L.A., not just New York, not just Dallas, but they'll be able to put you in touch with local people that you can get resources in person and talk to somebody. So the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is such an important uh, resource that everybody has access to. Anybody's phone, um, you can borrow somebody else's phone, you can use the phone at school, and you can call that number and Somebody will talk to you and somebody will point you in the right direction who knows what they're talking about and somebody that cares, obviously. Um, with regard to ADD, you should always speak to your primary care doctor um, as, or a pediatrician and they can refer you or you can get um, talk to a therapist. Uh, and I know that there's a lot of options out there for people that may not have health insurance, which is obviously another whole problem in, um, in, uh, in our country. But the National Alliance for Mental, uh, for Mental Illness, NAMI, is a great website and a great resource um, to find out a lot of information. And they can always point you in the direction of your local, your local resources as well. Nick, thanks so much. Again, thanks so much for being on the show. And we've been talking to Nick Pfeiffer, TikTok star. Thank you. Yeah, pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. And you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. 